This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it's GMAC along with Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast with number 97. And let me tell you, if this is the first time you are tuning into the Blue Bomber Podcast, you're in for a treat. This is a conversation that we'd like to have on the radio broadcast, but don't necessarily get around to. And as good as Doug's articles in the Winnipeg Free Press are, well, you know what? He gives us a little bit more juice in this time here. And speaking of juice, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were looking to go 2-1 and one. In Hamilton Friday night, it did not go that way as the Hamilton Tiger Cats came away with a 31-17 win over the Blue Bombers. And that number might be, the score that is, might be the most flattering thing to happen to the Blue Bombers all night. Jeremiah Mazzoli, his ninth consecutive 300-yard game. Blue Bomber fans don't care that he's done this nine times in a row. What he did to the Blue Bomber defense, 31 of 41. And if you're not good at math, that's 75.6% on the completion percentage. 369 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Bombers did manage to pick him off once. Some guy named Thomas Earl. Sean Thomas Erlington racked up 92 yards on 11 carries. Uh, Mercer Timmons, another 13 yards on 7 carries. And Jeremiah Mazzoli, well, he was fine uh, running uh, just uh, 6 yards on 2 rushes. Brandon Banks. Well, Speedy lit up the Blue Bombers. 11 receptions, 111 yards. Jalen Saunders, 7 receptions, 97. Are, are you, can I stop now, Doug? <laughs> this is, uh, some of these numbers are pretty ugly. Uh, but one thing that I did notice no explosion plays really, except for one. Why shouldn't we give up on this defense? Because a lot of folks in Blue Bomber land are saying, you know what? This Richie Hall thing is not working out. Well, it's out of the obvious that this is week three and there have been changes and there's supposed to be influence from Mike O'Shea. Uh, no matter what, I mean, even if you have the same exact roster and the same exact coaches, which this defense does not, there's plenty of different position coaches. So let's just assume everything was the same going into this year. You still can't write off a team. There's still an evolution or a regression one way or the other, but... Um, in week three, you just don't get a feel for the identity of what they... It may look similar, it may look the same as previous, there may have been two out of three games that remind you of last year, but there was one game already that reminded nobody of, of any defense in the last five or six years, and that was obviously against Montreal, where they only gave up 10 points, they only allowed uh, 195 yards, fewer than 200 total yards of offense, so, you know, when one out of your three games was an eye-opener, and the other two kind of looked like other games. It's just too early in the season. but So there was a, a number of other reasons, I think, that you, you can press pause on a condom. I'm not saying that this defense is going to be awesome this year or, or they're going to be terrible. I'm just saying it's too early to put the final stamp and say definitively, this is it, nothing's going to change, nothing's going to get better, nothing's going to improve, you know, I started a season once two and two on a team, and then we won 12 games in a row. You just never know. By by week four, there's nothing absolute you can say about a team. But when you want to look at this game as well, you look at 
the the offense had six two and outs, okay, in a row. Six two and outs in a row on a hot day like that, which is the hottest day this team has played. We're on the field for an entire quarter more than the other team is, okay, more than your offense is. Um, that is going to cost and is going to absolutely wipe out your defense like you've never seen before. Um, they had a couple injuries in the back end, okay? They had Mo Leggett playing his first game at halfback. Brandon Alexander wasn't there. Anthony Gator wasn't there. They had a guy, Marcus Sales, who didn't even make it through the entire game that was playing back there. Um, if people are like, oh, we saw the same old soft zone, well, what do you do when you have changes in your in your back you have to simplify things you can't get all creative and fancy and everything like that uh, you're missing there's only so many guys that play in the secondary you're you're missing two of them you're, you're playing guys in different spots it's just these aren't excuses these are realities of things they had to contend with during the game and uh, uh you know like you say you're you're one one game off of your performance against Montreal you have these injuries you have the offense not being able to move the ball it's a hot day out there you put all of them together and you're like yeah you know you could see this happening it's not great it looks like not a lot has changed but it's not absolute and it's not the end of the day well why don't we bring in to the conversation maurice leggett maurice leggett of course a big part of the winnipeg blue bomber defense first start at halfback and maurice uh, thanks for jumping in on the conversation here first start ever at halfback in the canadian football league yeah yes it is so how did you feel? How, how did it go for you personally out there? Was it uh, an adjustment? And maybe you can talk about how ju- good Jeremiah Mazzoli really is. Uh, it was it was a huge adjustment for me as far as vision wise and uh, a lot of space. And then you have a great quarter. He's he's a phenomenal quarterback, and he extends plays with his feet. And then they have a great scheme as far as protecting him as well. So it makes it a, a lot like really difficult. The defense. How's your recovery coming along right now? It, 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 anytime I've come off an injury, your, your first game back, it's always the mental part. It's always, you know you're physically fine, but you always wonder, hey, that first hit, that first contact, can you trust this anymore? How was that part of the process for you in the recovery? Well, to me, it wasn't a recovery. I, I've been, you know, dunking, dunking a basketball and doing off-season work. You know, so for me, it was just more of just getting getting my, my feet together, yeah. Just getting my feet together, and then it's it's a lot harder when you're playing a different position and you have a lot more space. Your your footing has to be completely different than playing the Sam position. So what's what's the expectation for you going forward? Are you going to go back to playing Sam? Are you going to continue on at halfback? Are you going to move all over the place, being used in different? Are we going to have to wonder where you're going to be lining up every week? What do you think the future yeah, holds for you with I, I this defense? I would wonder. <laughs> I definitely would wonder. But you know, I, I take it as I take it as a huge compliment. They can put me anywhere and feel like they can get production. Do you have a preference uh, though? Is there is there a place? I mean, obviously you're probably most comfortable playing Sam. That's where you've been, uh, you know, defensive player of the year for this football team. It's where you've won a lot of awards. That's kind of your spot where you're most comfortable. But are, do you have that open mind that you're like fine? You're you're happy to be plugged in and and contribute where you can. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to play there. I feel comfortable there, but. To me, you could put me on the best guy, and then I'm. I like that challenge as well. So being a shutdown guy, yeah. right? Just put you where. Yeah. Hey, this is where their best players. Just nullify that for us. Uh, yeah, that, that's you know that's my whole mentality, and I enjoy every last second of it. 
So you're obviously one of the most athletic guys on this football team. Every great athlete I've seen on different teams, they have a crazy athletic feat or stunt they can do. Obviously, you dunk a basketball very well. Is that is there anything else you can do that people need to know that shows off your athleticism the best? Anything else that's crazy that's out there that's in your arsenal? Have you ever played pickleball? That's a, you have pickleball. To to play pickleball, man. <laughs> So you're you're a, you're a top caliber, higher echelon pickleball player. Is that what you're saying? I love it. Like uh, a classmate from high school, he he started a club in Atlanta, and ever since then it's been fun. I taught Paul how to play it, and we enjoy it. So is that harder than tennis or easier? It's easier than tennis, right? Uh, uh, no, it's not easier than tennis to me. You know, you have you have a wolf ball, and then the reaction is a lot quicker because you're right up on that right there on the net so it's more instantaneous uh, yeah and the change of direction uh, I wore the, wore the wrong shoes one time and then I had to go to the car and change my shoes Like it, it gets very competitive and doubles with me and Kevin on the same team <laughs> are there pickleball <laughs> shoes now is Nike selling pickleball shoes Maurice <laughs> What, what do you recommend to the that. listeners? What is a good cross trainer, or is it a basketball shoe you need to wear when you're playing pickleball? What's your recommendation? Oh, no. A basketball shoe, it's mid to mid to high, <laughs> mid to high top basketball. Some hyperdunks, some hyperdunks will do the trick. <laughs> well, do you need to like tape your wrist? Anything else you need to do before you play pickleball? Uh, stay locked in and keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> fundamentally sound. Be fundamentally wow. See, you don't. Uh, no one else is podcast. You'll get pegged in the these. face if you go against fog. Trust me. He almost got me. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Now, when, when you're a guy that plays all over the field, you return. Uh, you you play Sam. You get involved on on fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, quarterback sacks, interceptions, uh, returns for touchdown. Which one? brings you which one you know is the most exciting for you as a player is it is the cream of the crop in terms of the, the endorphins that are rushing the the energy that you get is it the interception return for the major or is it a a, a kickoff or a punt return which one makes you the happiest makes uh, i would say defense i just uh, pick six because you think you had, you think you got me, and then I just come out of nowhere and and then pick it off, and then on top of that, you can't tackle me and I score. So it's like, it's just like I I just took your manhood from you. <laughs> it's just like you know, I was. I used to play rugby, and my favorite part was when I got to carry the ball because in football all I ever played was defense. So isn't it fun? to all of a sudden, you know, in football, to get the ball and get to play offense, right? You also get to showcase your own teammates that, hey, I can make people miss as well. Yeah, but I haven't, I didn't play defense until I got to college. Gotcha. So you have plenty I, of time on the offensive side I of the ball to hone those skills, and, right? And, and I was a returner. I was a returner all my career. So they sprinkle me in on offense just for a decoy or whatnot. So I, I enjoyed every last minute of it. Are you superstitious? Do you have a, a religious uh, pregame meal that you need to abide by every single game, or you just go with whatever they're serving at the hotel? Depending on the home or away game. So I'll eat bre- at home, I'll eat breakfast, go back to sleep, and I'll sleep as much as I can no matter what where I am. And then when I wake up, I'll get me a, a deli sandwich that I make myself. Oh, nice. And, okay. Yeah. So layered and, up for us, what's in that deli sandwich, Mo? Give us, give us some ingredients. <laughs> Uh, the ingredients you get you have you have your roasted turkey, 
and then you have some roast beef, and then I love pastrami, and then I'll put some pepperoni, salami on there, pickles, onions, tomatoes, lettuce, uh, some pepper. After I, I have to put my mayo and mustard on there first, and then I put the pepper on there. Then a little bit of, and then I'll sprinkle some vinegar on. I'll I'll spray it. I have a spray bottle, and I'll spray the vinegar inside wow. of it, and with some chips inside. So, chips inside oh, for the crunch, for the <laughs> texture, right? Yes, yeah, you that need that sense. crunch. So this is, this is every home vinegar. pregame meal. Every home pregame meal, you're doing this. Sea salt and vinegar. Wow, baked ones. Oh yeah, the crispy, the Miss Mrs. Vicky's. <laughs> People don't understand how specific and how particular these things need to be. Otherwise, it's not. You feel off if you don't have that, right? Yeah. You're like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't fuel properly. <laughs> yeah, like once you're off, like a second, you just don't feel right. It's, yeah. It's you got to go through the routine, right? It's part of the preparation. Yeah. So and then you, you think about it once you're off, so it's like it messes up your whole game plan. So do you think this defense is the same as last year? Do you think there's a reason for optimism for change going forward? Um, so far this year, you know, just the last two weeks, one game has been outstanding against Montreal. Another one, uh, you know, they put up some numbers against you guys. Which defense is the real deal going forward? The only time would tell. Only time would tell. We still we have new pieces in there, so we're still trying to find our identity within the new pieces within the system. And uh, if you look at it, we the explosion plays haven't come from like the long balls. You know? Yeah, no busts, right? Guys right. getting behind coverage so, and yeah. So there's no one behind. Like we, those are limited. Now we just have to play within our within our skill set to not let them dink and dunk us for for yardage as much. So, Maurice, we were talking to Chris Randall this morning on uh, Mackling and McGarry this morning, and I asked him in light of Deron Carter playing defensive back, which blue bomber <laughs> receiver, if pressed into duty, could actually pull it off? I want to see if you had the same uh, answer as number eight did. Darvin. Yeah. Darvin Adams. Yeah, Darvin. That was, that was Randall's play? answer, too. What could he play in the secondary? I think he can do. He can play that boundary corner better than Duran. Okay, because he can actually focus. He would actually focus on technique, and he he's more. I, I think Darwin's more of a team guy, so he he's going to use the system as much as he can to make him a better player. Is Carter freelancing a little bit out there because he's getting burnt from time to time? Well, it's, it's just a technique thing, honestly, and. Uh, he fixes that. I think he could be a, a great corner. He's just he has to clean up his technique. So when you're new to when you when you're new to it, he just he just uses natural ability, and it doesn't work like that on defense. Well, when you're running a pattern, you're in charge of that and where you're going, and and so sometimes pure speed will just kind of get you open a little bit of instinct. With the defensive back, what's the difference there? It's the reaction, right? Yeah, it's the reaction, and you have to play that cat and mouse game. With the quarterback receiver of where, what they're trying to do and how they're trying to attack you. Because you're playing two two players at, at once, essentially, correct? Correct. And then on top of that, they know where they're going and we don't. And just our last question for you: How long would it take you to transition and play receiver? Therefore, in the Canadian Football League. No time at all. <laughs> no time. So at Saturday, all. Saturday, oh, if you, Tuesday, if you Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, actually, I, I told Lapo, give me a week. Give me a week or two weeks. I, I would, 
I would be able to do half the playbook. And ask Milt Stegel. He knows I can play receiver. What would be your route? Where where would Any you route. where would they not be able to cover you? What what route would you run where you'd always be open? Well, you I'm open all the time. <laughs> That's the right I'm answer. open all the time. I'm like, I told you, ask Milt. I'm open all the time. Maybe three it, triple team. I'm still open. Maurice Leggett, always a pleasure to get some time with you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thanks good, for coming on. Good luck on Saturday, Maurice Leggett, joining us here right, on the you. Bomber Podcast. Thanks, Mo. All right, see you. So here from Maurice Leggett that he could start at wide receiver. The Bombers' problems are not at wide receiver on offense, though, are they, Doug Brown? No, well, you know, the, the whole thing I think is being missed in this uh, in this stretch of games is the fact that they've played three games. Uh, one of them they've won. Another one they only lost by three. And one of them they got blown out. Uh, you talk to any team and you say, hey, here's the scenario. You lose your number one most valuable, most outstanding player at quarterback for a third of the football season. And right now you're sitting at one win and two losses. And uh, you were within three points of beating the Edmonton Eskimos. You absolutely annihilated the Montreal Alouettes, played the best football game anybody's seen. And uh, then you were inconsistent against Hamilton on uh, on a day where everybody has uh, given up these kind of numbers against Mazzoli. So I would think most football teams would actually take that, you know? And uh, as good as Chris Strebler's been, um, you are naive to think he's not going to struggle at some point. And that's going to trickle down to other phases of the football team, and that's going to affect other phases of the football team. You're not playing with anywhere close to your ideal guy right now. There are so many adjustments that are going in for a new guy to wrap his head around things. And it's, it's just, you know, you're going up against BC. You got two games. I fully expect this team to at least split those two games. Then they'll be two and three, and potentially Matt Nichols could be returning then. That is a huge win. People are like, why would you be happy about two wins and three losses? You're happy about two wins and three losses if you lost your starting quarterback before week one. You come out of a six-week spell... And you're one game under 500 with 12 games to go or 13 games to go in the season. You're incredibly well situated. So uh, I, I just think uh, you know you're naive. You're kidding yourself if you don't think there's going to be struggles. If this was just going to be what we saw in week two with Chris Traveler against Montreal, and it was going to be we're going to beat everybody by 40 plus points until Nichols came back. You know I like unicorns too, but it doesn't mean I, I see them when I go outside. So. <laughs> It's uh, it's just a tough scenario that the team is going to have to get through, and there's going to be situations. Uh, certainly, the de- defense when they're out in the field can help themselves by getting themselves off the field. But like I say, you stack on another quarter of possession for the other team's offense. You put six two and outs together in a row for your own offense on a scorching hot day in Hamilton. And this defense just wasn't up to the task to bail out this football team for that game. They were they weren't capable of doing it. Plus, they had a couple new guys starting in the back end. So, sounds like we're making excuses. We're just explaining the scenario of the football game. And I think their opportunity to split with BC, be two and three, potentially have Nichols coming back. I think that's a fantastic win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Obviously, a short memory is a really good idea and a great thing to have when you're working week to week like the Blue Bombers are right now. So, BC live. 
Lions went into Edmonton, the Eskimos and BC packing. So Edmonton, Calgary fighting it out for first place right now. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, one and two, along with the Blue Bombers. So, you know, things could be a whole lot worse in terms of the standings as well, Doug. Other teams are doing the Blue Bombers a favor. And I'd like to say one more time, categorically, that the Hamilton... Tiger Cats are the best team in the CFL right now. They were really a handful of plays, let's call it two plays, away from being 3-0 and because they were, for the most part, the better team against Calgary in Calgary in Week 1. So this Hamilton team is very good. Yeah, like, like I mentioned earlier, I don't like to say anything definitively in Week 3 here going into the, the fourth game. I don't like to say anyone's the best or anybody's the worst because... This is all guys are just teams are just sorting themselves out right now. They're getting into rhythms, getting into roles, uh, getting adjusted to their play calling and their the new players that are there to in their system. So uh, you'll never get me to call a, a Grey Cup winner in week three or week four of the, of the football season. But Hamilton, hey, has come out of the gates. You got to give them their their credit and their due. They're playing very well right well, now. And they played well down the stretch last year. So this isn't brand new for them. Uh, it's going to be 32 degrees if the forecast holds for Saturday. You were talking a little bit about how hot it was in Hamilton. What are you doing as a player now to prepare for what's coming on Saturday? Oh, it's just great to to practice in weather like this right now, right? You got to get used to it, and um, you know. If you condition, for me, the biggest thing was always conditioning weather like this. The hotter it is, the more you want to run out there and get used to it because you'd never... Uh, you know, as hard as you practice in uh, outside during during the week, it's never the same as game time. You got to do extra conditioning, extra running out there, just to get close to simulating those those game time decisions. But you know, the more extreme weather is the more pronounced your home field advantage always is. Whether it's great weather, whether it's super hot or super cold, the more extreme it is, the more advantages you have of, as a home team. Just why because you're in, just why because your infrastructure. You, you, you know, your your room, even though the visiting room is probably air conditioning and everything now, you, you have more staff, right? You have more people that travel. You have more equipment managers. You, you got guys that are hanging out more. You know, for, it's from... More water bottles to more air conditioning to being able to change into things, you know, so on and so forth. You just have more stuff. Whenever it's extreme weather, it enhances your home field advantage when you're a football player. So so at home, we were asking Maurice Leggett about his game time meal. You bring up this food thing an awful lot, and here we are probably about 25 episodes into the podcast. I've not asked you, <laughs> what is your ideal go-to pregame meal? If uh, Doug Brown was suiting up on Saturday, what would it be at home before a game at IGF? You know, for me, the, the biggest thing was always probably the meal you had the night before, Um Granted, when you have a home game, breakfast and lunch are, are on you. When we had home games, uh, Coach Richard Harris uh, would always take us out to Stella's, and, and that would be our, our initial meal. Often that was so large you didn't really need to eat again, but you want to get something in your system closer, you know, uh, when it's three hours before game time is pretty much when you're going to stop eating. You want to be have everything digest and, and be ready to go, so... Uh, you know, the older you got, by the time I got, you know, played my 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th year, any superstition you had about certain meals, I'll have to eat that. It just, it's so much effort and becomes so tiresome just to orchestrate it. No, I need to have these BC cherries in my room, you know, 
four ounces of them before game ah, time. Forget so, about it. Yeah. Eventually you're just like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm just driving myself nuts trying to convince myself I'm going to have a great, how about I just uh, lift and practice and condition and watch more film a little bit harder and not worry whether my pregame meal is going to affect my on-field performance. Last one for you before we go here. A lot of noise is being made about the mic'd up sort of, uh, not segment, but the entire game was mic'd up on Friday night on TSN with the Blue Bombers. They had a, uh, you're going to have to bleep this one. I know you didn't bleep it last week, Jerry, but they had a Bieber play that they ran and a lot of people were very upset about the language being used. Uh, News alert, guys. Football players swear on the field. Not everybody, Doug, but I'm guessing it's a majority of the players have a little bit of foul language and the ability to to go toe-to-toe back and forth and and drop the odd F-sharp? Well, that's just it. You know, it's always about technology bringing you closer to the game. It's always about what can we do now to get take people and put them in the huddle and hear what the coaches are communicating, what the players are saying. Well, careful what you wish for when mm-hmm. it comes to pro football, right? Because it's, you know, they're not they're not picking flowers out there in between the hash marks and it is uh, a brutal, fast, violent, exacting, super ultra competitive game and people get super testy and highly emotional and are charged up and testosterone's raging and flowing out there. And you see sides of people you won't even recognize. Some people you see in in interviews and on television and, and being quoted in the newspaper, you wouldn't even know that that's the same person when you see the transformation that happens on the field. Some of the nicest guys you've ever seen off the field are absolute monsters and terrors on the football field. And that's just, that's their alter ego, right? That's their football persona that makes them successful. They have a switch. And uh, the players that, you know, end up incarcerated and such are are the ones not able to turn the switch off, right? A lot of people have control over the on or off switch. Sometimes it gets stuck in the middle. Uh, When you come off the field, you want to make sure it's fully off by the time you're done. And obviously the game... Wow, if you're if you're a little angry and uh, pent up going into it, you you can you can really uh, extinguish all that fire on the football field. Believe me when I say that. So news alert: football players do swear from time to time on the field, and we got a really close up, a real close up look at that on Friday night. Will we see it again? I suppose the C it's for the CRTC and for uh, the television partner of the CFL to decide. We will gather. We will get you back. Back here, hopefully with a subscription or just a download of the Blue Bomber podcast. Tell your friends, share, rate us. We'd love to uh, have you as a regular visitor. We'll be back next week. Bombers, BC Lions, we'll, we'll look back at that next week. Doug Brown and Greg Mackling ascending you off into the, uh, into the cyberspace, as it were. And thank you for uh, taking time to join us today on the Blue Bomber Podcast. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. 
Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine Podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.